Open your Bible, please, to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. I love Christmas time, our favorite time of the year. Lori and I will be heading home later this week to celebrate Christmas with some of our kids. We have five daughters. We have 11 grandchildren. And they'll come visit our home. And I tell our church the prettiest lights at Christmas are the taillights of our children pulling out of the driveway. It's nice when they come. It's great when they go. I love the, I love everything about Christmas. I love the reason for the season. I love the purpose for Christmas. I love the decorations. I love the music. I love the movies. I like, I like Christmas food. The good and the bad, the cookies, all the desserts. Now my doctor is in the auditorium tonight. He's encouraging me to eat right and, this morning, I'm trying to eat right. I had a carrot that poked me in the eye, and I thought, I bet this wouldn't happen if I had a donut. <laughs> I started my two-week purge this morning, get ready for Christmas, and I'm proud to announce that I completed it in three hours and 17 minutes. <laughs> Little Becky was just four years old. She wanted to play that December afternoon, but her mother pushed her aside. Becky, I'm just too busy today. I have to wrap all these presents, bake some cookies, clean the house. It's Christmas time, you know. So Becky played alone. When her dad came home, she rushed to the door with her arms outstretched, ready for her usual hug and kiss, but Dad's arms were already full of boxes and bags. Ooh, for me, she exclaimed. No, for Christmas. Run along, Becky. Daddy's too busy right now to spend time with you. Just go play in your room. So Becky played alone. At supper, both mom and dad were so busy talking about Christmas and their plans, the celebration with grandma and grandpa and all the relatives coming over. They, they didn't give Becky attention. She just wanted to get some butter, but they didn't hear her. And so she reached for it herself and knocked over a glass of milk. Oh, Becky, not tonight. Everyone is so busy. It's Christmas time. Just, just go off to bed. I'll be up there in a few minutes to say your prayers. When mom got to her room, little Becky was already kneeling beside her bed. Her prayer was short and simple, perhaps good for all of us. God, forgive us our Christmases as we forgive those who Christmas against us. Don't let the busyness and the hustle and bustle of the season rob you of the joy of Christmas time. Luke chapter 2, you've heard it hundreds of times. I'm going to pick up reading in verse number 7. And she, that's Mary, brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. 
and they were sore afraid. The angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. Ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which is come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made note abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. I want to draw your attention just to two words in verse number 11. This day. Tonight I just want to remind you a few truths about Christmas time that you and I should never forget, nor should we hold it to ourselves, but share it with others. Father, Would you bless the teaching and preaching of your word tonight? May the seed scattered in this eternal bound audience and even those that are listening online, I pray that the seed will find good soil to bring forth fruit in the days and weeks ahead. Help us to be faithful to you and tell others the good news to a lost and dying world. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for saving us. And I pray that we would be faithful servants to you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Christmas time, what's it mean? I'm going to teach and preach. There is a difference. You say, what's the difference? Teach, I will talk to you. Preach, I will yell at you. So if you're a little sensitive to passionate preaching, uh, if I bow my head again, just slip back a few more seats. Unless you're in the back row, don't go out of the room. We want to keep you here tonight. But I trust that the message tonight, though it won't be new, will be something that will stir it up and be refreshing to your heart and mind. What is Christmas time all about? First of all, it's a time to release your fears. Look in verse number 10. And the angel said unto them, fear not. We hear those words, and yet how many of us are guilty almost on a daily basis of living in fear? 365 times we find in the Bible, fear not or do not fear. That tells me there's not one single day that a Christian should ever be fearful. It also tells me that if God says it that many times, there's many of us that deal with it almost on a daily basis. The only time you and I have a right to be fearful is on February the 29th in leap year. That's the only year that you don't get a fear not in the Bible. So save up all your fears, write them down, wait till leap year, and on that day, be scared to death. But every other day of the year, you shouldn't be fearful at all. What's got you worried tonight? Your health, your kids, your bills, the economy, 
President Biden, China, Russia, the illegals that are flooding our country. What are you worried about tonight? Do you know there's actually people in our world tonight, maybe some in this room, that are fearful of what others think about them? You're fearful that someone thinks you're weird or you're ugly or you're no fun or you're fat or you're old. A lot of you are old. <laughs> Stupid or bald. What do you dread? What are you afraid of? Getting COVID? I mean, come on. Are we over that or not? I mean, surely we should be past that. I mean, when Pfizer comes out with a punch card that you get a free Subway sandwich after 10 booster shots, somebody ought to figure it out. This is a money-making deal. What are you afraid of tonight? Tithing? What are you afraid of tonight? Witnessing? Teaching a class? I'm suggesting tonight that Many of us live in fear way too often. So why are we afraid? Well, we know ignorance breeds fear. Sometimes we're ignorant of what's going to take place. We don't know the future. We're fearful that God may not do things the way we want him to do it. I mean, we've been taught our whole life that if we read our Bible, go to church, tithe, tell the preacher he preached a good message, everything is going to be Good, but it's not going the way we thought. Life is always full of problems. You get through one, you're going to find another. You don't have to fear them. God is there to help you. Can I remind you tonight that fear and faith cannot occupy the same heart at the same time? God did not give us a spirit Fear. And when you find yourself, hey, 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 you can be bold in church on Sunday. Let's hear what you're talking about tomorrow. And if we're governed by fear, that ought to be a, an alarm system going off in our minds and hearts. We are not walking by faith. From Genesis to Revelation, Genesis 15, verse 1 Fear not, Abram, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. All the way to Revelation 1.18 verses 19. Fear not, I am the first and the last. I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And have the keys of hell and of death. We don't have to be fearful of anything. I read of a very nervous passenger at the airport. He was pacing throughout the terminal because the weather was changing and the flights were all delayed. And he didn't know if he was going to get out and looked like a very horrible weather in southwest Florida. He's walking throughout the terminal and he saw a kiosk that was selling life insurance policies. It offered a $100,000 policy for just 50 bucks. And he looked out the window and saw the weather and, and he thought about his family at home and for that price, you know, shoot, he, he bought a $100,000 life insurance policy and, and tucked it in his pocket and 
continued walking through the restaurant looking for a restaurant. You know, airports today have great restaurants anymore. Expensive, but great restaurants. And he settled in on his favorite, a Chinese restaurant. And after he ate his meal, he was given his fortune cookie and he opened it up and his cookie read, your recent investment will pay big dividends. <laughs> he panicked. Why? Because he believed it. You say that's ridiculous. Some of us are fearful because of what we hear on TV. Quite frankly, though I may agree with conservative television, I can't sit and listen to it for very long because it doesn't prompt me to live for Jesus. It makes me want to go buy a gun. It doesn't really build my faith. And I'm suggesting to this eternal bound crowd, this good crowd, the cream of the crop, that we are to fear not. Christmas time means it's a time to release your fears. Secondly, it's time to renew your faith. Now, I'm teaching, and repetition is the mother of education. And so I want you to repeat each point tonight because you'll have the opportunity to share it with your own family. This is a good little devotion for you to share with your kids, even on Christmas morning. Christmas time is a time to release your fears. Would you say that with me? Christmas time is a time to release your fears. It's also a time to renew my faith. The reason for the season is not Santa, Rudolph, Scrooge, Marley or Charlie, and not even Hallmark. I heard on the radio a list of the top five favorite Christmas carols, and not one of them listed a Christmas carol that talks about Jesus. Look in verse number 10 again. I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. Doesn't sound like a typical newscast, does it? Good tidings. That's good news. We have good news. And you and I, because we know the Lord and we know the Bible, we talk about the gospel, the gospel. An unsaved person doesn't know what the gospel is. They want to know what that good news is. You know what that good news means to them? Number one, they're not a mistake. Let's go all the way back to Genesis 1. Most of this generation, the last two generations, think they're a mistake. That or they're a product of some evolutionary process. You're not a mistake. Maybe your mom and dad didn't plan you, but God is the author of life. And you're here today because God breathed life into your soul. He loves me. He cares for me. He wants me to be with him. Jesus Christ was born and died and rose from the dead for me and for you. He wants to save me. What's good news? What's the gospel? I'm, I'm not an accident. I, I matter to God. He knows me. He knew me before I got saved. He knew everything about me. I was fearfully and wonderfully made. Consider the science of the human body. How in the world can anybody believe in evolution? 
It's good news because God wants me to spend eternity with him. And for a lost man, the best way they can handle eternity is just block it out. There is no heaven. There is no hell. Why would anybody want to live like that? Because they have no hope of heaven, that's why. And because they have no hope of heaven, they say there is no hell. When deep in their soul, listen, there are third world countries tonight where people that have never heard the name Jesus, never seen the Bible, yet they know what's right and what's wrong. They know there's a heaven. They know there's a hell. They just don't know how to get there. We've got good news. And Christmas time is a time to remind people it's a good time to renew your faith. And you say, but I'm saved tonight. Yes, but many of us live in fear. And if we live in fear, we're not walking by faith. You can put on your suit. You can talk a verse of scripture, but what governs your life How do we react with bad news? How do we react with pressure and problems in life? Reveals what governs it. A.W. Tozer put it so well. He said it this way. Unbelief is actually perverted faith. For it puts its trust not in the living God, but in dying men. When we start believing what the government says or what our friends and family say or even what I think ahead of what God says, we will live in fear. We need good news. And that good news comes from this book. And quite frankly, one of the reasons why our churches today are impotent without power, is because we are trying to serve God in the energy of the flesh. Just because we have the knowledge of scriptures doesn't mean we're walking by faith. The devil knows the scriptures. He can quote the scripture. You can go to Harvard University, yea, even speak to the president of Harvard University. You can find college professors that teach religion of the world, and they know as much Bible as some of our church members do, yet they don't believe it. I'm saying you can know the book and it not govern our life. But you can't have your faith increase without getting into the book. And today, correct me if I'm wrong, Many of our churches, not Gospel Baptist Church, this is the elite of the elites. We're fundamental independent, narrow-minded King James only, red-letter edition, no fun Baptist here. We're the elite. You must be talking about the non-denoms or those other Baptist churches that are way too happy to be Christians. You know as well as I do, many of our churches are filled with people that can tell you the starting lineup of their favorite sporting team, whether it be the Buccaneers or the Miami Dolphins or whatever sporting team it may be, but they can't tell you the 12 disciples' names. 
They can't quote the eight Beatitudes or the Ten Commandments or the 39 books of the Old Testament or the 27 of the New. I'm suggesting tonight that many of our churches are filled with people that really want to know God, but they think they get that knowledge from a one or two hour sermons on Sunday. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You don't just decide one day, I'm going to believe God. No, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The word of God is so important. And when we give more time to the world via television than we do to the word, you mark it down. We will serve God in the energy of the flesh and more often than not become weary in well-doing. But when you walk by faith, <laughs> you can outlast the flesh. We need some Caleb's in our churches today. Some older saints that say to the young people, you give me the biggest battle out there. I don't, I've been at this a long time, too many of this general, older generation today, they look at the young people. Yeah, you young people, time for you to uh, suck it up and we're going to coast out now. We've done our duty. We've done our job. Oh no, not Caleb. He said, give me that mountain. That was the most fortified city in the land. He wanted the most difficult enemy. Why? Because his faith was just as strong today as it was 40 years ago. When he said, I'm just as strong as I was 40 years ago, he wasn't carting around in his tent a, a total gym. He wasn't working out every day so they could have a strong, healthy body in his 80s. No, his faith was still strong. And he was walking by faith. And he knew, regardless of his inabilities of his body at this stage of life, he still could conquer the enemy because the battle belonged to the Lord. That we get from God's word. We need God's word to uh, grow in our faith. I need to hurry on. Number three, it's time. Well, let's review one and two. Christmas time is, first of all, a time to release our fears. Say it with me. Christmas time is a time to release our fears. Secondly, it's a time to renew our faith. Then thirdly, it's a time to receive forgiveness. Look in verse 11. Unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Notice a Savior, not a salesman. We don't need any more stuff. Not a politician. We don't need any more laws. Not a soldier. We don't need any more war. Not a scientist. We don't need any more knowledge. God sent a Savior because we need to be saved. From what? Sin. Man is drowning in sin. Man is doomed in sin. We need forgiveness. Why? Because as we heard this morning, God is perfect and heaven is perfect. And God can't allow one sin into heaven or heaven would no longer be heaven. If I, I mean, I think I'm as...
I think I'm the best person in this room. <laughs> I've sized you up, and I've been around this crowd long enough. I'm probably the best person in this room. My wife is second. There's been times we've left church, and I told her, I think we're the only two normal people in that whole church. And quite frankly, I'm suspect of one of them. But God couldn't allow me and Lori into heaven with just the three or four sins that we've committed <laughs> since we've been in church tonight. <laughs> We'd mess the whole place up. I'm just saying, heaven wouldn't be heaven with one sin. Heaven's a place of no more sorrow, no more suffering, no more sin. God can't allow sin into heaven. We need forgiveness. Only perfect or sinless people can live there. And for the man that doesn't think he sinned that bad, you're just not being honest with yourself. You're getting emotionally defensive. Just think of your thought life. If we could put your thought life on the screen behind me in living color, next Sunday, I can guarantee you, you won't be here. So how can we for, be forgiven? Well, admit that you're a sinner. Believe in your heart that Jesus Christ died for your sins. He was buried. He resurrected from the grave. Confess and ask Jesus Christ to save you from your sin. He'll save you right here, right now. You say, but preacher, I'm already saved. You're singing to the choir. I know, but after we're saved, we still struggle with sin. And don't look at me like you don't know what I'm talking about. If you have the mindset that you're living pretty good, you're one of the reasons why we don't see revival in our country. The Bible says judgment must begin in the house of the Lord. Why? Because the problem in our nation is not the White House, but the church house. God said, if my people, which are called by my name, I know some of you are going to say that's Old Testament. I get it. I understand that. But read Romans 9, 10, and 11. And when you get that figured out, you're going to find that we, the Gentiles, were grafted in. And you are now called God's people if you're saved. And that principle and promise applies to us. If my people, if you're saved tonight, that's you. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves. And that's a big problem in most of our churches. We don't think we're part of the problem. We think everybody else is. I'm in church. What more do you want? It's not what I want. What does God want? You know what he wants. You've already told God you can go this far and no further. God, I've served you for 40, 50 years. I can't do any more than I have. God, I'll be there Sunday morning, even Sunday night. But don't ask for any more than that. I'm saying tonight, if there's a time when the senior saints in our churches need to show a younger generation the power of God, it's now. It's not telling them about the victories we've had in the past. It's showing them the power of God now. We have to get our own hearts cleansed. 
if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. Oh, when we got saved, we were saved from the penalty of sin. But some of us are struggling with the power of sin. We have allowed sin a place in our hearts and rules over us. We're strong in one part of our heart, but in other areas, we just sort of call it a truce. No, we need to humble ourselves before God and get our sins forgiven. Well, Christmas time, three thoughts now, say them with me, is a time, first of all, to release your fears, to renew your faith, and to receive forgiveness. We need to say that again because only two of us got it all the way through. Let's try it again. Christmas time is a time to release your fears, to renew your faith, and to receive forgiveness. And then lastly, it's a time to rebuild friendships. Look in verse 14. Glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. It's time for reconciliation. God wants you to have peace with him, but he also wants you to have peace with all men. Romans 12, 18 says, If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Proverbs says, When a man's ways please the Lord, everybody will get live peaceably with you. That means we are to live peaceably in our neighborhood, in our school, in our job, in our country, in our family, in our church. I read, as your pastor does and other preachers here tonight, we read some staggering statistics of hundreds of churches that close every year. Every year. And COVID wasn't a a time where we saw lots of churches close up. And one of the reasons is because there are hundreds of pastors that quit every year. Do you understand there's a lot of my generation going off the scene and, and they can't find younger men to follow their pastor. And there are churches today that are willing to, comp, uh, to merge with other churches and even churches that don't believe exactly like them, just so that they can have church and have somewhat of a, a, an assemblance of their church that they've been faithful to for decades. And can I just say, as an outsider and someone that gets to visit from time to time, you ought to thank God for the pastor you've had, but you ought to thank God for the young man you've got here being prepared for this church. I'm not blowing smoke tonight. You ought to be grateful for that. To find a young man that believes like an old timer, that's strange today. That's unusual today. It's hard to find them. And I understand the generation behind uh, the boomers, they don't have as many people as we did, etc. I understand all that stuff. I'm just saying, you're fortunate and blessed to have someone that you're preparing for the potential pastoring of this church. Don't take that for granted. And you older saints, nobody's going to be like 
Brother Bill. Nobody. And the only reason he's alive is because I'm not convinced God's ready for him yet. I've read that so many pastors quit pastoring every year. And there's a lot of reasons why they quit. And some you would agree with, some you wouldn't agree with. Probably none would agree with them entirely. But you know what the number one answer, especially during COVID? They're tired of fighting church leaders. Christmas time is not the most wonderful time of the year for some people because of people. More specifically, people in their own home. Maybe sitting next to you. Proverbs 16, 7, I quoted, a man's ways... When a man's ways please the Lord, he maketh even his enemies to be at peace with him. I think too many of us fundamentalists take a great deal of pride with how many people we can offend. I think I fit in real good with this crowd as far as your doctrinal beliefs. I love your pastor. I don't think he would allow me to preach if he didn't think we lined up. I was an independent, fundamental, narrow-minded, King James-only, red-letter edition, no-fun Baptist in Chicago. But I had friends across every camp line. I had preacher friends that were the Bob Jones crowd. You know, they're the elite of the elite. I was part of the Baptist Bible Fellowship. We weren't allowed in their fellowship meetings because we were just stray dogs and cats. I was right next door to Hiles Anderson. I wasn't separated enough. Yet when I hosted a fellowship meeting, and can I say this? I was in their fellowship meetings. And you you church people, you miss out if you don't ever go to a preacher's meeting because preachers are really strange at preacher's meetings. They're ticked off at their church members, but they can't say what they want to say on Sunday because they don't want to lose any members, so they take it out on their preacher friends on Monday. (laughs) I was in a fellowship meeting. I'm not making this up. And the guy's preaching, and he's going from one side of the platform to another. You know how some of them, they just got a lot of caffeine in them. They got to get it out of their system. And I mean, he's going back, and all of a sudden, he noticed somebody in the audience. And he he noticed again. And I, I realized every time he paused, he was looking in my general vicinity. You know, sometimes preachers start getting off the path a little bit, out of their notes, and they feel like the Lord's leading them. Next thing I know, he's preaching against facial hair. I'm the only guy in the room with facial hair. And so he's preaching against facial hair, and then he gets back to his text, and now he's preaching against facial hair again, and then, and then he concludes his sermon. The next guy gets up. I'm not making this up, folks. He gets up, and he says, well, I had a message prepared for you, but... <clears throat> 
I just feel like God's laid a message on my heart this morning. And he preached his whole message against facial hair. And the funny thing was, neither one of them realized I was the third speaker that morning. So when I got up, I said, well, it's obviously uh, obvious that I'm the only person that's received two good messages this morning, so the rest of you ought to be starving for some Bible. <laughs> I'm just saying, I think God has humbled us narrow-minded, King James-only fundamentalists the last several years. Do you know there's guys that are not exactly like us in everything that we do that actually do love God? I'd host a fellowship meeting that we normally have 30 or 40 preachers. We'd have about 100. And they'd be from all the different camps. They would love it, but they couldn't go back and tell their camps where they were. Even now when I host our men's conference, the predominant group is the BBF. I don't even go to the BBF anymore. I'm an independent, always been independent. I didn't know you had to graduate from a certain college or hang out with certain people to be a fundamentalist. But I think COVID, if nothing else, helped humble us a little bit. And I'm glad for it. But I want to ask you tonight, who's hurt you that you can't get over? Who do you need to make an apology to? Some of you are holding a grudge for decades. You can be happy until that person's name is brought up or until you see them. Who do you need to forgive and make the first step to rebuild a relationship? Don't look at me like you don't know what I'm talking about. And don't offer up every excuse. Remember Jesus who went to Judas not wondering, knowing he would betray him. And he was a friend of Judas to the very day he hung himself. I'm saying to you and to myself, we all say we deserve to be in hell until somebody does us wrong. And we think we're too good for that, especially from them. I'm suggesting Christmas time is a time to renew friendships. You know what will cover that? A big Christmas gift. Peter says, charity covers a multitude of sin. Who's tried to make things right with you, but you won't let it go? You keep them at an arm's distance from you? Who do you ignore because they don't measure up to your standard? Is God trying to get your attention? But you excuse your behavior because of their sin? Overlooking the bitterness and the unforgiveness in your own heart? Christmas time can be the most wonderful time of the year. It's a time to release your fears, to renew your faith, 
to receive forgiveness, to rebuild friendships. If I were home, I would say to you as my church, from our house to yours, Merry Christmas. But without being disrespectful, can't you hear God in His Word saying, from my home to yours, Merry Christmas. Jesus is the reason for this season. And so we should see Jesus like the shepherds. We should praise Jesus like Mary. We should worship Jesus like the wise men. It's Christmas time. May God bless you. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, we thank you that the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. and We beheld his glory. We're thankful that your only begotten son, who knew no sin, became sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Father, we're so grateful tonight that we can see a love that's beyond our abilities. A love that, that would allow us to be called the sons of God. I pray as we are overwhelmed with all the marketing and all the proclamation of what man has to sell that we don't forget what you have already given. Help us, Father, to use this time of the year, as our pastor said this morning, this is the best time, the easiest time of the year to hand out gospel tracts. Help us, oh God, to, to jump on that opportunity. While the soil is more fertile this time of the year than possibly any other time of the year, that we might see souls saved and added to the kingdom of God. I pray that you would bless this church, Pastor Bill and, and Pastor Chris. We're thankful that they have befriended us and have been kind to us while we have times to, uh, to visit. I pray that you would be pleased with how we respond to your word tonight. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com. Or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church, Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you and God bless.